you have a Bible, I want to invite you to find the book of Acts. Okay, the book of Acts. We're going to be, we're going to start in chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Acts is the fifth book of the New Testament. New Testament, second half of your Bible, right? Old Testament, New Testament. New Testament starts with the four Gospels. The life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then right after those four, we have the fifth book. The book that talks about the early church the book of Acts. So find that. We're going to be in chapter 8. We'll get to that in just a second. This morning, we're beginning a brand new series of messages that we've titled Growing in Christ. And there's a, there's a phrase that we say around here quite often, and maybe you've heard us say it. In fact, it's on our wall, right? Maybe you haven't heard it, but these words are this. One more. One more. We say one more. We say it quite a bit. And we say one more because we believe that this is, is kind of who we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do as a church. Like help one more who is lost. One more who is hurting. One more who is far from God. We're a very outward focused church, right? You know this if you've been a part of our church family for any amount of time. Uh, we are an outward focused church. But that phrase one more is only half of the equation for us, right? There's actually three more words tacked on to the end of that, that that makes up the rest of our mission here at River of Life Church. Those three words are growing in Christ. We have one more growing in Christ right over there. That's who we are. See, we're not only about adding people to the kingdom of God, Like, that's a big deal, right? We want to add people to the kingdom of God, but we take it serious when the Bible talks about continually growing our relationship with God. We don't just raise our hand and say a prayer and boom, I'm done. That's it. No, no, no. We keep growing in our relationship with Christ. So we took this phrase, growing in Christ, actually from from two verses that we found in the book of Colossians. This short passage of scripture is kind of going to be the theme verse for this message series that we have over the next few weeks. So here's what it says, Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. It says this, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Like you've accepted Jesus You've taken the first steps in this, but it's not supposed to stop there. There's more to this. And now that you've, you've done the first part, we need to begin to let our roots grow down deep into him. That's Jesus, right? Deep down into Jesus. And as our roots grow down further and further, our lives become built on him. And the last verse there, I love that part. Verse 17, it says, then your faith will grow strong. I'm sorry, verse 7. Your, your, your faith will grow strong. You can just say it this way. The deeper that your roots grow, the, the, the more that you're rooted in Jesus, the more we grow in Christ. The more we're rooted in Jesus, the more we grow in Christ and the stronger our faith becomes. So for the next four weeks, that's our focus. Our focus is to ask the question, what does it look like for us to take a step in the direction uh, of God in our spiritual lives? To, what does it look like for us to grow in Christ? And here at RLC, at River of Life Church, we have six ways that we often see people grow. Okay, we, we have six different things. 
Uh, and this is going to be quick because we're going to get to the, the rest of the message here. But I want to just share with you these six ways really quick. Six ways spiritual growth happens. Number one is this, private disciplines. We begin to talk to God more, we get into his word, and we allow that to shape us. Okay, number two, providential relationships. We surround ourselves with the right people, people who will help us grow. Uh, Number three, personal ministry. We begin to serve and minister to other people inside and outside of the church. Number four, pivotal circumstances. When we face difficult circumstances, we, we lean into God during those hard times. Number five, powerful moments. We have like supernatural experiences with God at different times in our lives and we give, uh, as we give God those opportunities to move in our lives. And then number six, the one that we're talking about today, practical teaching. We hear the truth of God and we grow as we understand and obey that truth. Okay, so that's enough of an introduction. I want to get into the Bible here, and we're going to talk about this idea of practical teaching. So would you please just stand with me out of respect for God's word as we read kind of our passage of scripture for the day. Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. So we're going to read a good chunk here, but it's a fun little story that I want you to hear, okay? So here's where it starts. As for Philip... Okay, Philip is, this is Acts, this is right after Jesus raises back into heaven, right? He ascends, and he sends the disciples out. Philip, he goes out, and an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south, down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Candake, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside that carriage. So Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked him, do you know, do you understand what you're reading? And the man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. As a lamb is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated, received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Then the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop. They went down into the water. Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself further north at the town of Zodas. He preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. Let's pray. All right, Holy Spirit, we ask that you move in our hearts today. We need to hear what you have to say to us. There's some like big ramifications to what we're talking about today. So give us a humble attitude. Help us to uh, respond the way that you want us to, okay? Help us with that. We pray all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. All right, we're, we're going to come back to Philip and the Ethiopian here in a little bit. Um, but first, I want to show you something that's, that's not going to blow your mind by any means, but I think it's going to get us started moving in the right direction. Jeremy, can you grab that thing and bring it over here for me? 
All right. Uh, it's just a little illustration. It's a fun thing. Uh, and all I have here is a cup and some Legos. Because I couldn't, I didn't want to go like digging and finding rocks because there's a lot of snow out there. So I just needed something to fill the cup, okay? Because the idea here is like I have this cup and I'm, go I'm just going to totally fill this bad boy to like overflowing, okay? I can't even keep them all in, right? Like, okay, if I wanted to add anything to this cup, right, I can't do it. It's overflowing. In fact, like, you can see nothing stays on there, okay? It is full. This cup is, it's so full, it's overflowing. Now, the only way for me to add something to this is to, to do what? To, to take some out, to empty some of it, right? And so now, now there's space. Now there's room for something to be added to this cup. Now, and then I have the opportunity, I have the decision to make, am I just going to add a little bit of stuff? Or maybe I can make a little more room, or I could completely empty this guy to make all the room for whatever else I wanted to fill. It's my choice how much I want to empty this cup, okay? Again, not mind-blowing, not like this crazy awesome science experiment, right? But I want to read a verse from the Bible to you. And hopefully it will make a little bit more sense now that you've seen this, okay? So John chapter 3, verse 30 says this. He must increase while I must decrease. He must increase while I must decrease. He, Jesus, must have more space and I must have less. Okay, this is John the Baptist here talking. John the Baptist was like a big deal. Huge crowds of people would go out to see him uh, and hear him preach. And so right before John 3.30, what happens in the verses right before that is John's disciples come to him and they say, what's going on? Nobody is coming to listen to you preach anymore. They don't think that you're important anymore. They're all going to that Jesus guy instead, like he's the important one. Wink, wink, right? And, and John replies, he is the important one. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the Savior of the world. They should be going to him. For God's plan to work, this is where our verse comes in, he must increase while I must decrease. He needs to become more important while I become less important. And I like one, one translation says it this way. It says, he needs to move to the center while I slip off to the side. The whole idea here is this. More of God equals less of me. If I want more of God, there has to be less of me. Like there's no option. And we're going to talk a bit more extensively on the idea of more of God today, this practical teaching side of things. But let me quickly talk to you about the less of me side of our equation. I'm sure you've made the, the connection between this little cup illustration and John 3.30 and the idea of more of me or more of God, less of me, right? It's pretty hard to add more of God to my life if I am full. I can't add something to something that's already full. I need to empty a little bit and make space for God. And really, it's up to me how much I want to empty, right? I could empty a little. I could give God maybe half 
of this space that he wants, or I could make the decision, God, I'm going to empty myself completely so that you can have all of me. God wants to fill us. We want to add more of God, but we have to have less of us first. And here's the crazy thing about this whole idea of less of me. Sometimes, check this out, sometimes the things that we have to let go of, sometimes, sometimes the things that, uh, that we need to make less in our lives, sometimes those are good things. Sometimes good things get in the way of God's things. Okay? I could fill my life with volunteering on committees and giving lots of money away to humanitarian organizations and, and spend my time doing nice things for other people. But I could still be missing what God wants me to do. There are all, these, these things that I just said, all good things, all awesome things. But what if, what if all that time, all that money uh, that I'm giving isn't going to the place where God wants me to focus? If I'm spending all my time, all my money, all my energy in this, but God wants me over here, I'm missing it. So sometimes emptying ourselves means looking at our priorities, looking at the way we spend our time, and saying, God, is this what you really want me to do? Sometimes we need to put our own preferences, our own plans aside so that God can move. So check your priorities. So, and then what are some other ways? There's other ways to empty ourselves, right? Last time I actually spoke a message at church, I talked a little bit about emptying yourself. I talked about fasting. Fasting is an extremely amazing way to empty yourself. Fasting takes our focus off earthly things that we tend to focus on, and it shifts it to God takes our focus off of earthly things, right? Joel 2.12 says, Even now, declares the Lord, return to me. Like, stop with all of your stuff, all of that stuff. Return to me with all your heart. How? With fasting and weeping and mourning. Fasting. When we fast, we limit our intake on earthly things. Food, entertainment, other material things. That, that, we, that we very easily can get stuck on. And we spend more time praying and reading God's word and listening to other teachers of God's word. That's the point of fasting. Removing some of these things and adding some of the God things. It's all about more of God, less of me. Another practice we should get in the habit of is, is going to God with our decisions. See, most of the time, we just kind of do what we think is right. Don't we? When we come up against a decision, a choice, should I do this or should I do this? Many times we think we're smart enough to just figure it out by ourselves. Well, that's being a little arrogant, isn't it? That's being a little full of ourselves saying like, God, don't worry. And I know we don't do this. Like we don't think this way really, but kind of like, God, don't worry. I got this. Don't worry. You don't, don't stress yourself out about this one. I can take care of this decision. No, no, no. Most of the time, we just try to do it ourselves. What we should be doing is saying, God, I don't want to make this decision. I want you to. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Now, I'm not talking about praying in the morning 
about should I eat Fruit Loops or Cheerios this morning, okay? Those aren't the types of decisions, but come on. We have decisions every single day where we're just like, I'm going to do this. And, and maybe, just maybe, you're making a good decision, but is it God's decision? Okay? That's emptying ourselves of our agenda, our plans, our goals. And the last thing I want to throw out there as far as emptying ourselves really quickly is, is the practice of confession. Okay? And, and I'm not even talking like confessing your sins to a priest or even talking about confessing your sins to one another like the Bible talks about, although that will humble you pretty quick, won't it? What I'm talking about here is confessing or declaring things in your life daily. It's this practice of daily confessing to God, you know what, God, I can't do this. I need you. Uh, this is all yours. This isn't mine. This is yours. I am small, you are eternal, you are God, I am your follower. Confessing these things, like while you're praying, saying these things to God. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's not my life anymore. When I surrender to him, it's his life. God, this is yours. It's all yours. More of you, less of me. It's probably one of the most common prayers that I pray. When I don't know what to pray, I'm in here praying on a weekly basis, on a daily basis, and I'm just like, I don't know what to pray anymore. I just pray, God, more of you, less of me. More of you, less of me. And when I pray things like, your desires, not my own, your plans, not mine, it's reminding me to empty myself, and God starts changing my heart. Okay. Those are just some thoughts on emptying ourselves, less of me, the, uh, the less of me side of our, our equation. I want to spend a little bit of time now on the more of God side of our equation. And here's where I want to start. Many of us have given our hearts to God, but haven't let God give his heart to us. Okay, let me say that again, and then I'll explain it. Many of us have given our hearts to God, but haven't let God give his heart to us. See, here's what I mean. Many of us have asked God to save us. Many of us have declared that Jesus is the Lord of my life, that he is my Savior. Many of us love God with our whole hearts. And, and sometimes in the Christian world, we say, like, I'm giving God my heart. You know, we say that about our loved ones, too. Like, I gave you my heart. Like, I love you with everything. But the question is, have we let God give us his heart? Have we, have we let him download the desires, his passion, his goals, his dreams, his plans? Have we let him give those to us? Have we let God take his heart and kind of like transplant it into ours? See, I want my heart to burn for the things that his does, for the same things. I want to love people like he loves people, I want to be excited about the same mission that he's excited about. I want to see people like he sees people. I want his heartbeat inside of me, right? Like that's, that's what we want. This should be our main goal here on this earth, to become more like Jesus. And a lot of that has to do with understanding his heart, his passion. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. Like, I want to love 
because Christ loved. I want to do that. So how do we do this? How do we add more of God as there becomes less of me? How do we let him increase as we decrease? And there's a lot, there's a lot of ways to do this, right? We talked about six different ways, and we're going to talk about some more of those over the next few weeks. But today, um, I want to talk about this idea of practical teaching, like hearing the truth of God, understanding the truth of God, and growing and obeying that truth. The idea here is this, and you could write this down too. This is, this is a really big, duh moment, I think. If I want to be filled with God's desires and goals and truth, I need to know what those are, right? How can I have his desires and goals and follow his truth if I don't even know what those things are? 1 John chapter 2 says this, and we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that per- person is a liar and is not living in the truth. So we, we know God, we know that we know God when we follow his commandments, when we follow his ways. On my phone here, I have, uh, I have this Compass app, right? Compass points to absolute north because the needle inside of it, probably not this one, right? But a real compass, the needle inside of it is pulled in this, with this powerful uh, pull from the Earth's magnetic fields. It automatically points this direction because the Earth's magnetic fields, wow, that's a struggle for me to say. Is that okay for you to say? Easy. She's like, I got this. Earth's magnetic fields pull strongly uh, at that needle. Now, I want to have a compass inside of me. Not that points to absolute north, but that points to absolute truth. I want to have this strong pull from the Holy Spirit, from the truth of God that just kind of pulls me in the right direction because I know that word and I know the Holy Spirit and I know what he's saying to me because I know his heart, I know his desires. But we can't do that if we don't know those things. I feel sometimes like we're on this path that, that is sometimes forged by us and sometimes it's forged by God. Right? Like sometimes I'm following God and I'm going down this path and then all of a sudden I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go this way. And God's like, no, 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 path's over here. But I make the decision or the world pulls me, right? A little bit further in 1 John chapter 2, it says, Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers you only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world, right? I want my path not to follow the world's desires, not my desires. I want to walk more of God's path and less of mine. And is is it always going to be God's path? Like, I I would love to say that. Yes, I'm always going to follow God's path. Truth is, sometimes... Uh, we've, we veer. I'm not there. I'm not 100% on God's path. I would love to be, um, but I don't, I don't know if that's possible, but I'm going to try. I'm going to try. Less of me every day. Less of me and more of him every day. The tough part is, it's not just about hearing God's word, 
right? It's not just about hearing God's word and reading his word. It's about understanding it and putting it into practice, right? Don't just be deceived and just be hearers of the word. Do what it says. That's what the Bible tells us. Do what it says. And we can only do what it says if we understand it. So as we learn, as we learn what he's really saying to us, we're informed of what he really wants from us. And because, let's just be honest for a second, many American Christians don't even know what the Bible says. They don't really know what they believe. Many of us don't know what God really wants from us. I mean, how many times have I had somebody come and talk to me from our church or from outside of our church and say, hey, can you tell me, why does your church believe in this or why do you believe in this? And I say, hey, let me show you what the Bible says. And they're like, oh, Bible says that? Wow. And they're just like blown away because we don't, we don't know. We don't know what God says to us. And listen, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to condemn you or make you feel bad here. I'm not saying that you need to be Bible scholars or anything like that. But man, we need to know what God tells us to do if we want to be followers of him. Right? If someone says, hey, just go. You're like, go where? I, just go. Well, you're not following anybody. Right? If God says, hey, go here, do it this way, live your life like this, we need to know the directions. We kind of need to know the map so that we can do it. So we, we, we don't know God's truth, and that makes it really hard to follow it. We need to be in our Bible more. We need to read it on our own, right? We have to do that, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later in this series. But sometimes understanding God and his word and his commandments and his truth, it takes someone maybe teaching us or giving us direction. Sometimes we struggle to understand what he's saying without someone else helping us, okay? Sometimes we need that push. Sometimes not. Sometimes God reveals his word to us, and that's awesome. Get in your, in your Bible. We gotta do that. But listen, this brings us back to the portion of the Bible we read at the beginning, Acts chapter eight. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. He started out, he met the treasure of Ethiopia, seated in the carriage. This guy, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk alongside the carriage. Philip runs over there. He, he hears this man reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip asks him, do you understand what you are reading? And the man replied, how can I, unless someone instructs me? And he urges Philip to come into the carriage and sit with him. And so beginning with that scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. I should be baptized. He ordered the carriage to stop, and Philip baptizes him right there. Listen, like this guy was reading the Bible, and he's like reading it, and he's like, wow, this is good, I'm sure, but I don't get it. This guy may never have really truly understood the love of Jesus, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, if Philip wasn't there to help him understand what he was saying. And because Philip was there to instruct, to teach, this Ethiopian powerful treasurer for the queen of Ethiopia, he gives his life to Christ, he gets baptized right there. Because he has someone there to instruct him, to help him along. Sometimes it takes someone teaching us so that we can understand. And we see people's lives transform when they are taught what the Bible really says and what it really means. We see that happen. That's why it's one of the main things that we work so hard at here at River of Life Church. Understanding God's word is a big deal. Because as we learn more about him and we hear his word and we hear from people that have his heart, all of those things start to transfer to us. 
right? His word, his heart, other people's um, passion and desire for God, that starts to transfer to us. So, so come to church. <laughs> Hear practical teaching that you can use in your everyday life. Read books. Listen to podcasts. Watch other church sermon videos. Sit down and have conversations with other believers. When you do this, you will start to learn. You will start to understand more and more what his truth is and what his heart burns for. Now, just, just a quick cautionary side note, okay? You do have to be a little bit careful of who your sources are or what your sources are. There are definitely some people and some teachings out there that um, whether they're in books or in sermons or podcasts or whatever, even just people's ideas, uh, that, that they're just off and they're not, they're not biblically accurate, okay? So pray about the things that you hear. Pray about the things that people are teaching you. Uh, pray about the things that you read. And, and do your homework. Ask some trusted people, what do you think about this teaching? Is it right? Is it off? Because um, we, we want to make sure that we're not learning false truth either. Music team, could you please come? Now, the last thing I want to say before we start to close is this, okay? Don't ignore these guys, okay? Right here. Last thing I want to say before we start to close is this. Learning God's truth, let me say it again, learning God's truth and downloading his heart does not happen overnight. I so wish it did. I wish it was like, yes, I want this. And it was like the Matrix where they stab that thing in the back of your head and you're like, ugh. I know Kung Fu, right? Like, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> I wish you could just slam something in the back of your head, put a SD card in your ear or something, and all of a sudden just like download the Bible and God's truth, and boom, there it is. It doesn't happen like that, right? It's, we need to make sure that we're learning God's truth and downloading his heart over and over and over. We should be lifelong learners, okay? That's what I'm getting at here. We need to be lifelong learners. It's amazing to me that I've been in the church world for 19 years, I've been a pastor for about 17, and I've read the Bible through a bunch of times, and I have gleaned wisdom from thousands, tens of thousands of sermons and podcasts and books and all that stuff, and I still have these aha moments. I'm reading the Bible and I'm like, whoa, where did that come from? That wasn't there before. Or I'm, I'm listening to a guy speak a sermon and I'm like, wow, dang, that rocked me. Like, that was good. I'm listening to an audio book and I think, man, that's gonna change the way I minister to people. I'm, I'm praying and God drops a new vision in my heart and I'm passionate about something that two months ago wasn't even on my radar, right? We need to be continually downloading God's heart, more of him, less of me, continually emptying ourselves over and over and over because that cup just seems to fill back up with the world, doesn't it? We get in the world and it just kind of trickles into us. We have to dump it out again and we have to let God fill us up again. We need to continue to get in the word. We need to continue to be around people. We need to continue to hear this teaching. Let's be people that are hungry for God's truth. And let's be people that let his heart, his dreams, his passion change. Change the way we live. If we truly have God's heart, our lives will be different. The way we live will be different. In fact, I want to start 
right now. We're going to have the music team lead us in a song. We're going to do this for like two minutes. I know we're getting a little bit long, but I think this is important for us. I want to take two minutes right now, and I want us to just take a few moments. And during this time, you have an opportunity to start practicing practicing this less of me, more of God. Take a minute to confess these things. God, you are God. I am not. Your desires, not mine. Your plans, not mine. Less of me, more of you. And then take time, just take a minute to ask God to give you his heart. God, give me your heart. I want your passion. I want your, I want your plans, not mine. Like, give them to me. Download your desires in me, your truth. So many times we're holding on to stuff that's not ours, holding on to our desires, our passions, whatever it is, and we need to get rid of that. So everybody put your hands out like this. Okay, we're holding on to our plans, our dreams, our passions, our agendas, and here's what needs to happen. Everybody go like this. And some of you, maybe you need to shake a little bit, make sure it's gone. <laughs> like, okay, I'm letting this go. I got sticky fingers. I'm letting this go. Gone. My stuff is gone. My desires are gone. My, my passions. And now, God, I'm going to go like this, and I'm not filling them back up. You fill them up. Let's pray. God, we want more of you and less of us. Seriously, our way isn't working. The world's way isn't working. We want you. We want to follow you. And to do that, we need your heart. And we need to know your truth. Help us. Help us to find the practical teaching that will show us what you really want so that we can truly follow you. I can't even imagine how much our world would be changed if all believers would know what you really wanted from us and would have your desire and your passion to make plans. Your passion to make plans, like, happen. It would change everything. Don't let us be apathetic, halfway. Don't let us be those kinds of Christians anymore. Help us to do whatever it takes to learn, to, to, to learn whatever we need to learn, to be moved however you want us to move so that we can be all in. We pray that our, our lives, our hands here would be filled of the things of you, not of our things. God, we pray all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, one more thing before we go. We always want to give people an opportunity to start following God. Some of you, after what you've experienced this morning, maybe it's through the music, maybe it's through the church family, maybe it's, maybe it's through the word of God that we've heard, you're thinking, you know what, I, I want to start to get to know that God. I, I don't really know him. I haven't started a relationship because this isn't about rules. It's not about regulations and check marks. It's about having a relationship. And if you want to start that today, I want to give you that opportunity. See, Jesus wants you to know that you are loved. You are loved. He sent his son to die. Why? So simply so that he could bring that relationship back. Back in the Garden of Eden, that, that relationship was severed with, between God and man. And now he wants to make it right again. And all you have to do is confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you could be made right with him and be back in relationship with him. So this is what I wanna do. Just everybody bow your head and close your eyes for one moment, time of privacy and reflection. And if you're in this place or maybe you're even online right now and you're saying, I wanna start this relationship with this God you're talking about, with Jesus. If that's you, just simply raise your hand. Keep it up for just a second. I wanna pray for you and I wanna know who I'm praying for. Is there anybody here who says, that's me, that's me. If you're online, you can click a link right now in the description and you can fill out a little card that says, I wanna make this commitment. 
Just one more moment. If there's anybody here that says, that's me, I want to start this relationship with God today. Awesome. Here's what I want to do. I want us to pray. And I want everybody to pray this along with us to help each other out. But if you're praying this for the first time and, and you want to start following God, mean this prayer with your whole heart. Pray, God, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. Jesus, I believe that you are my savior. Please forgive me of my sins and help me to live for you. Amen, amen. Can we celebrate those that made that decision today? That's awesome. Right on. Now, if you made that decision today to start that relationship, I would love for you to grab a Connect card that's in the seats in front of you um, or next to you or go online. And on the back side of that Connect card, there's a little checkbox that you can put a, a mark in that says, I want to start following Jesus. We just want to be able to follow up with you and help you on this journey. Um, if you'd like to stick around and spend time at the altars praying, don't rush out of here. You don't have to do that. But before you go, I want to just speak something over you. Okay, I get this. As you walk out these doors and your week goes on, may you become less and less and may he become more and more. Thank you for being here today. I hope you have a great week.